Hey there, food entrepreneurs. You are listening to episode 210 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast, where I'm going to highlight five mistakes that I see food founders make over and over again as you try to grow your business and your sales. In this episode, we are diving deep into a conversation that was sparked by a recent encounter of mine at an industry event. So I want you to picture this. Two seasoned experts, each bringing their unique insights to the table. One, a seasoned packaging designer, and the other, yours truly, with a wealth of retail expertise. As we exchanged stories and we laughed our way through a catalog of what not to do's, it became clear that we were unearthing a treasure trove of missteps commonly taken by bootstrapped businesses as you embark on your wholesale journey. So today, I'm really excited to share with you my curated list of five reoccurring fumbles, each accompanied by practical insights that you can do, that you can take to get back on your path to success here. And hold tight because we've got a little something extra for you, a bonus mistake straight from the perspective of that packaging designer. As always, this podcast is here to arm you with knowledge and to empower you to sidestep these pitfalls and navigate the food industry's wholesale landscape with a little bit more ease. So without further ado, let's dive into the first of these mistakes. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Hey, my whizzes. Thank you, as always, for joining me today. This episode, like I said in the intro, it was inspired by a conversation that I had at an industry event a few weeks back where a fellow service provider and I were trading mistakes that we saw our clients make as they tried to grow their businesses through wholesale accounts. She is on the design side as a super experienced packaging designer, and I was providing my expertise on the retail side of things. So admittedly, we were laughing and we were groaning as we added to our list of what not to do. And honestly, we could have kept going beyond you know the 10-minute conversation that we had. On my bike ride home, I realized that as much as I could just spout off this list as common knowledge in our industry, these things are anything but that. They're simple, but they're not commonly understood. They're patterns that I see founders and sales managers make, frankly, before they join us in Retail Ready, and things that I see even the most thoughtful founders do as they try to grow their businesses. So with that, I'm bringing you my list of five mistakes that I see brands make over and over again. And then I'll even include one bonus mistake straight from the packaging designer at the end with her permission, of course. She has to stay anonymous. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about her, but she said that she's booked up for literally the next 18 months and she's not taking new clients. So she doesn't want a shout out. So I'm going to share this list here, plus her bonus mistake, so you can avoid them as much as possible. So let's dive in. Mistake number one, expanding too far 
too fast. So what do I mean by this? Well, often I see food founders who are so eager to get a new account, any new account, or so thrilled that a new retailer wants to carry your product line that you say yes to it, even if it's outside your region or outside of your target accounts or outside of, frankly, your capabilities. Success is a result of sustainable growth. Failure happens when brands try to expand faster than your capacity, faster than your cash flow allows, faster than your operations let you. It is so much easier to support accounts that are closer to you, physically closer to you, and mentally closer to your target list, you know, accounts that you can literally drive to if needed, that if you spread yourself then across the country, in too many different types of accounts, too many different channels, and you attempt to support your accounts from afar, things get dicey. And I get it. There is this idea that a sale is a sale, and then you will take anyone who wants to sell your product line, especially in the first few years. But I would caution you that this is a short-sighted mistake. The most sustainable brands especially self-funded brands. So the most sustainable brands that I see go narrow and deep, fine-tuning their operations and their sales strategies before expanding. If you can't get your products to sell off five local shelves, how the heck are you going to get them to sell off of 10 accounts across the country? So I want you to tap out in your own backyard before being tempted to turn further afield. It is easier, cheaper, and less exhausting. Okay, that's mistake number one. Don't go too far too fast. Let's turn to mistake number two. Using the same tactics to sell direct to consumer and to that wholesale buyer. So what does it look like when you make this mistake? You are using the same sales pitch that you use, and frankly, that works direct to consumer as you are trying to use on that new wholesale buyer. You are likely talking about your delicious taste, your thoughtful sourcing, your light bulb moment that made you realize you just had to start your food business. You highlight your functionality and how well your product works, your sustainability efforts, or maybe where you donate proceeds to, and on and on and on. These are all wonderful reasons why your direct-to-consumer audience loves you or why folks, the shoppers that you're demoing to, love you. And they are fantastic selling points when you are speaking directly to that end user, to the shopper, to the consumer. But those same sales points don't work on the wholesale buyer. Why? Well, because... Yes, it's a beautiful story that your pierogi recipe is from your great-grandmother's and that you found it in the back of her diary after she passed away and that you're reconnecting to your Polish roots and you're supporting the employment of Eastern European immigrants with your food business, right? Like lovely story, wonderful story. But if your product doesn't sell off the shelf, that wholesale buyer simply isn't interested in it. Wholesale buyers' performance is measured by the financial health of the categories that they manage. Their goals are almost always related to sales and margin. 
If you are crafting a wholesale pitch based off your story, your taste, or any other piece that tugs at the heartstrings of your consumers, you're missing the mark. And frankly, you're wasting your time and you're wasting the buyer's time. There is a reason why we devote a third of our retail-ready curriculum on how to speak the language of wholesale. What works for your direct-to-consumer audience does not work with your wholesale buyers, so stop making this mistake. And I got to say, it's really interesting to me. I constantly hear that people say that they need to wait to join us in retail-ready until after they have more wholesale accounts. So often it's the refrain of, oh, Allie, I just need XYZ number of accounts and then I'll join Retail Ready. Or I just need to increase my sales and then I'll be ready to join Retail Ready. And I just can't help but think that that whole thought process is backwards. Retail Ready teaches you how to get those accounts. Retail Ready teaches you how to increase sales, either in those same new accounts or to increase sales in your existing accounts. So if you're waiting until you hit a certain number of accounts or for you to increase velocity on your own, you're missing the whole point of Retail Ready. We help you put those systems in place so the accounts come easier and so that the sales come faster. You're waiting to achieve the very same results that joining Retail Ready will give you. Do you see my point here? All right, so that is mistake number two, using that same process that works direct to consumer as you try to pitch new wholesale accounts. It doesn't work like that. All right, are you guys ready for mistake number three? It's directly related to mistake number two. Here it is. Mistake number three is not being fully prepared for those buyer meetings or thinking that you can use your FaceTime with that buyer to ask them for feedback. Are you guilty of this? (laughs) So those wholesale buyers are busy. You've heard me say this. They're inundated with sales pitches. Again, this is why we've got to stop doing mistake number two, right? That buyer doesn't have time for you to show up underprepared or without thinking through every scenario of how you're going to partner with them for success on their shelves. There are five P's that you need to prepare. Your product, your placement, your pitch, your promotional strategy, and your purchasing. I'm going to do a whole other episode on these five Ps and what each of them means in terms of buyer pitching in mid-September. But for now, the takeaway is this. I really want you to hear this. Stop what you're doing. You need to have concrete answers to all of the logistics and details that go into the store's ordering, receiving, and selling of your product. Being flexible on those details doesn't make you seem accommodating. It makes you seem unprofessional. There's certainly room to negotiate with the buyer on all of those five Ps, but you need to come prepared with the answers first. So don't make this mistake of thinking that you can just get back to that buyer on, say, whether or not you can do guaranteed sales or what your minimum order quantity is. In the time that it takes for you to get back to that buyer, they have moved on to the next brand. Okay, just gave you my tough love here. So let's take a quick break and we're going to be back momentarily to talk out a mistake that I see brands make as you bring on a distributor and as you grow your sales once you are on the shelf. 
This episode is supported by Retail Ready, our course, coaching, and community for packaged products brands who want to land on more wholesale shelves and have high sales once you're there. You are in luck. We are inviting you to jumpstart your enrollment and join us today. No wait list, no watching the educational masterclass, no sales call required. If you know you need the support in building systems for sustainable success, plus a community to hold you accountable and expert tailored advice from me and my team, consider this your official invite. Click through to the information and enrollment page linked in our show notes, read through our robust FAQs to ensure that you are the right fit, and join us in a matter of minutes. I'll see you soon inside of Retail Ready. All right. I didn't scare you away with my tough love, so you're back. (laughs) And we've got two mistakes left, as well as that bonus mistake from our packaging designer friend. So on to mistake number four thinking that a distributor will save you or solve your sales problems. So I can really get on my soapbox about this one. (laughs) I see so many brands who think that the path to success is to produce a product as cheaply as possible, to get a co-packer, to bring on a distributor, and that's that. Or founders are struggling to land wholesale accounts and they just think like, oh man, well, I just need a distributor to take that piece off my plate. It is a flat out mistake to think that your distributor will help you land on more retail shelves. Why? Well, that distributor is focused on one thing, the physical distribution of your products. Their sole responsibility is to get your products from the warehouse to your accounts. They are not focused on sales. It is still your responsibility to get the accounts. And then the shipping and delivery logistics are handled by the distributor, if you have one. So don't make the mistake of thinking that your end goal is just to get into distribution. And then you can stop focusing on selling into new accounts as much. Even if your distributor has promised you the world, I have yet to see one that truly focuses on sales placements. That is still your responsibility. And until you take full responsibility here, you aren't taking ownership of your success. Got it? Okay, so that mistake of thinking the distributor will save you or that they're going to solve your sales problems is a mistake. All right, last mistake. And then I'll give you that bonus one from the packaging designer as well. Mistake number five spending all of your energy to get on the shelf with no plan of getting off the shelf. You've likely heard me say this a thousand times over, and yet I still see brands making this mistake all the time, spending all your time, your energy, your money, your resources to get on the shelf, but with little left to devote to getting off the shelf and into shoppers' baskets. Getting on the shelf can be hard enough, even especially if you're making the mistakes that we've talked about in this episode so far. Getting off the shelf can be nearly impossible if you don't have a strategy in place to do so. And I'm not asking you to reinvent the wheel every time you land a new account. I'm inviting you to create a tried and true process, a process that you repeat quarter after quarter to engage your accounts and to increase sales. 
Inside of Retail Ready, we call this the coordinated kickoff and then the quarterly constant gentle pressure, ensuring that you're not just winging it or throwing spaghetti against the wall as you try to increase your velocity. Don't make this mistake. There is a better way and it comes down to systems. Systems will save you here. So I'm curious, are you making that mistake? Like I said, I know you've heard me say it time and time again, but unless you have a process that you have outlined, that you have tested, and that you are constantly, consistently, constantly and consistently executing in your business quarter over quarter, you haven't implemented this lesson, right? And there's it's a very big difference between nodding along with the podcast, agreeing with what I'm saying here, and actually putting the lessons into place. Okay, last mistake here, and I'll recap it all for you. Like I said, this episode was inspired by a conversation that I had with the packaging designer a couple weeks ago. And here's the mistake that she shared with me, and I I nodded along. Mistake number six, the bonus mistake. Asking your branding agency or your packaging designer for sales strategy advice. So she said she knows why this happens. She's been in our industry for a couple decades and folks pay her tens of thousands of dollars to do redesigns for them. Her average package, she told me, is $40,000. So she has this theory that with a big investment, her clients expect to solve all their business challenges, right? After all, they are investing a lot of money here. They're paying for answers. So they often ask her about sales strategies, like which channels to sell in, how to communicate the value of their redesign to buyers, how to tell the buyer where to merchandise this new packaging on the shelf, and on and on and on. She said, literally, the number one question she gets from her clients is, will this packaging help me get into Whole Foods? (laughs) But, and here's the mistake, she is not qualified to support her clients on the sales strategy side of things. She said this loud and clear. So her expertise, her talent, her skill set is creating food and beverage packaging that connects with her clients' target audiences. And that design is influenced by whether or not you, the client, is selling online or in physical stores. She said in some instances, she's literally designing slightly different packaging, literally two different packaging designs for a single SKU for online sales versus in-store sales, because what stands out on the physical shelf is quite different from what stands out on a digital shelf. So in any case, using this example, she can't tell her client which channel they should prioritize. They need to do that work themselves. That's sales strategy. And that falls beyond the scope of even the best independent packaging designer. The mistake here is asking your branding or packaging designer for support on your sales strategy. And I'm going to expand that mistake even more. I would say the bigger mistake is asking any of your advisors, whether that's consultants or coaches, designers, financial experts, food scientists, product developers, photographers, PR experts, you know, whoever you're paying for their expertise, asking any of those folks for strategy advice that is outside of their area of expertise. Just because you have paid them money does not mean that they can solve all your business's challenges. So for example, 
Let me give you a real, <laughs> a real example outside of our industry. And you can tell me if this lands with you. You wouldn't ask your dentist what shade of lipstick will look best in your wedding photos just because that dentist interacts with your lips, right? That would be ridiculous. So remember this next time you ask your PR person whether or not you should prioritize your Amazon sales or push your food service accounts next quarter, right? Just because they are interacting with your product doesn't mean that they have the expertise to advise you on strategy. Got it? Okay. So I'll say packaging designer friend, if you are listening, thank you for that bonus mistake. (laughs) All right. So let's recap these mistakes here. The first one was expanding too far, too fast. Realizing again, if you can't hit your sales goals in your five local accounts, how the heck are you going to hit your sales goals in 10 accounts across the country, right? Don't go too far, too fast. Mistake number two was using those same tactics to sell direct to consumer and to the wholesale buyer. You've got to understand the buyer's goals and they are very, very different than your direct to consumer's desires. Number three, mistake three was not being fully prepared for those buyer meetings or thinking that you can use some of that time with the buyer to ask them for their advice or their feedback about your product, right? We, I briefly touched on those five Ps, which again, I'll recap in an episode in mid-September for you, but knowing that you've got one chance to make a great impression with that wholesale buyer, so don't blow it. Mistake number four was thinking that a distributor will save you or solve your sales problems. Simply put, a distributor distributes your product after you have made the sale, okay? Don't make this mistake. And number five was spending all your energy to get on the shelf with no plan or no resources to get off the shelf once you're there. And then lastly, that bonus asking your branding agency or your packaging designer for sales strategy advice. And again, I'm expanding that beyond asking any consultant, any service provider for strategy advice outside of their scope of expertise. And I'll just say myself included, (laughs) I'm not going to give you advice on, let's say, food food science stuff or permitting or frankly, um, PR. I don't know about those things. That is not my area of expertise, so I won't help you there. Of course, that's why we bring our industry experts into Retail Ready. We have an industry expert who comes in every single month, a different one every month, and they support on those topics where my team and I are not experts, right? So again, go directly to the source when you need it. So I want to know, my listeners, which mistake did you need to hear today? You'll know which one, because when I was talking it through, you likely felt like I was speaking directly to you. (laughs) You're like, oh, shoot, Allie, get out of my brain. So come and tell me which one you needed to hear. At the beginning of this podcast season, I asked our listeners, I asked you to commit more to this podcast as well. I recommitted and I asked you to do the same. And here's where I'm holding you to it. 
Send me a DM on Instagram or a message on LinkedIn and tell me which mistake spoke to you today. I truly want to know. And then I can support you in making changes to get past this mistake. If you're a Retail Ready student who's listening, I'm going to direct you back to our course content or invite you to come to an upcoming live call. And if you're a devoted freebie podcast listener, I'll see what free resources are aligned with your next steps. So thank you, as always, for tuning in this week. Next week's show checks back in with Charlie and Patricia, a past Retail Ready student, as she was debating whether or not she should prioritize exhibiting at a trade show. And then we're going to end the month with Kathleen Casanova of Project Potluck. And she's going to be here to talk with me about what's working now in our industry, key resources for people of color in our industry, and our announcement of Wholesale Week, which comes back mid-September for you. So stay tuned for more details and how you can join us in Wholesale Week starting with next week's show. All right. Thanks again and bye for now. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Wiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.